mighty in our behalf, Lord, as a church, as families, as individuals, Lord, in our hearts and lives. We thank you, Father God, that as we come to you tonight, Lord, we just surrender this service into your hands. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to have your way. Move and touch hearts and touch lives. Minister, Lord, to each and to every one, Lord, that is here tonight, Lord, that will be may be watching uh, by way of social media or Lord they may watch sometime in the future but Holy Spirit touch them spirit soul and body Father God and may you be honored and glorified and exalted in all that we do and Father for all of these things we give you the praise the honor and the glory in Jesus name Amen let's worship the Lord together Keep hope alive. You keep. 
Can we give him praise tonight because he is our very present help. No matter what the circumstance, no matter what we're dealing with, he's our present help. Father, we thank you. We take, Lord, this time just to give praise and honor and glory to you, the only wise God, the only true God, maker of heaven and earth, our very present help in time of need, our shelter, our shield, our strength, our portion. Lord, all that we need and all we have desire in our heart and life. Father God, we find in you, in your presence in our hearts and lives. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you walk with us every day, every hour, every minute of every day of our lives, that as we submit ourselves to you, that as we follow you, that as we draw closer to you, Lord, we hopefully in our own lives realize, Lord God, that you are our all in all. And Lord, you are the great I am, the one for whom nothing is or will be impossible, the one who can create and recreate if he needs to, Lord God. And we thank you that you are our Father, that we are the sheep of your pasture, very well looked after, very well taken care of, very well provided for in each and every area of our lives, Father. And we give you praise and we give you honor and glory for it. In the mighty and the wonderful name of Jesus, Father, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. You may be seated. And just appreciate all being here tonight. Appreciate those that are watching or will watch. Thank you so much. We trust and we pray that what God lays on our heart and what we do lifts you up and strengthens you in your walk with him. Mind you of our announcements uh, this evening. Don't forget to move your clock back an hour. We get to have a 25-hour day. Personal. Well, that. And <laughs> they took it away in the springtime, and now we get it back in, in the winter. Uh, I started to say fall. It's like you almost waited till winter started, so whatever. Uh, I'm just, I'm, I'll just be honest. I'm not a fan, so. But we got to do what we got to do. So remember, set your clocks back. If you forget, then you are just more than welcome to uh, when you show up here an hour early and spend an hour in prayer for the church, uh, for what God wants to do in us and for us and through us. And I encourage you to do that anyway. Be always in prayer for your church. Be always in prayer for each other and for what God, what God wants to do in us and for us and through us. Uh, we're here to touch the hearts and lives of people that need to know that he is a savior, he's a deliverer, he's a healer, he is everything we need him to be in our hearts and lives. So remember that. Uh, men's breakfast is this November the 19th at 8.30. So if you can at all, come and join us. You, I, I realize I found out I missed a good... Uh, devotion, Brother Don gave the devotion last month, and he kind of teased me about it that I that I played hooky, but uh, other things were going on, and, and we took care of it. Now I'm kind of I'm sorry I missed it. I really am, Brother Don. Uh, I enjoy when he brings what the Lord lays on his heart, and whoever brings it this coming month, you'll be blessed, and uh, you'll be blessed with a fellowship. So I encourage you, men, to join us with this and 
Uh, let's uh, just have good fellowship together, but most of all, bind, get bound together in the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. All right. I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer one more time. And I put my notes somewhere and forgot where I put them. It's lovely. I have pieces of paper for that very reason, just so you don't forget. Uh, remember all our prayer needs that are on our prayer list. Uh, and keep these people in your prayers as well. Um, let's pray for our uh, upcoming uh, the, our pastor selection. Uh, the pulpit committee, I had to remember what I wanted to call them. The pulpit committee uh, has been working very diligently. And uh, so um, hopefully we're close to being able to see what God is bringing to pass for us. Uh, but if as long, and this is my, this is just me talking for myself, but as long as it's God's choice, it'll be absolutely excellent because God knows what's best and that's what I want. So, and I trust that you do too. So keep that in your prayers. Might be that you would have a need tonight you want to mention that we can pray with you about. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Yes. Continue. Remember, uh, face sister and her husband that the Lord touched them they need if God doesn't undertake I don't know if medical science has done all they can do yet or not but uh, I think they they have they're they're still doing treatment so let's just pray that the Lord will work out for both of them uh, in their lives and most of all that they'll have a peace that only God can give and these got to be difficult circumstances her sister is pretty much by herself. Uh, I don't know that she gets any visitors or maybe very few, you know. Yeah, so it's it's kind of, you stop and think about it. You're in a different place and <laughs> no telling what all there. In, in medical places, thank God for medical places. Don't misunderstand me. But they can be, I've known, sitting with people just that were sick. It wears you out. <laughs> and I wasn't the patient. You know, and I know it's not not always easy, but you know, God is everywhere. We'll let Him be. Yeah, yes, but not. Let's remember Doug McAllister. Very, very quiet spoken man, but I like him. He's great guy. But to have to lose two brothers in, in a very, what, within a month or within two months of each other, that's that's got to be difficult. So not only that the Lord will give him traveling mercies, but the peace of God right. that passes all understanding will yeah. rule his heart and his yeah. mind and, and give him peace and comfort in, in the time of his loss of his brothers. So remember Doug McAllister in your prayers. Anyone else tonight? <coughs> All right. Let's just join together in prayer. I want to ask you to stand again. And, uh, but let's just join together in prayer for these needs. Remember the, the needs on our prayer list, but these that have been mentioned here tonight. Father God, we come to you, Lord, again to first of all say thank you because that you are God. You are a healing God. You are a delivering God. And Father, we thank you, Lord, 
that not only do you hear us, but that, Lord, when we ask and we pray in faith, believing, and then we give you the thanks for it, Father, that you hear, that you move, that you operate in ways, Lord God, that we sometimes don't even understand, but it doesn't matter as long, Lord, as you get the work done and you get the glory for it. And, Father, we bring these needs to you before you tonight. Father, we pray for our prayer list tonight. Father, asking you, Lord God, to touch and to heal, to touch and deliver, to minister to hearts and to lives, Lord God, in every area of their life, spirit, soul, and body, Father God. Show yourself mighty. May your healing power and your virtue flow, Lord God, in their hearts and lives because Jesus bore the stripes on his body for our healing and the word declares that by the stripes of Jesus we are and we were healed. And Father, we thank you for that. We pray, Father God, for uh, uh, Faith's uh, sister and, and, and brother-in-law. Father God, ask you, Lord, touch Sheila and Ranger and minister to them. Lift them up. Strengthen them. Encourage them, Lord God. We pray for Brother Doug McAllister, Lord, as he's traveling, Lord, to Michigan uh, to uh, have to uh, go through the loss of a second brother, Lord, in his many months. But, Father God, I pray right now that the Holy Spirit of God will just surround him and envelop him, that the peace of God and the comfort of God that only God can give will, Lord, just speak peace, Lord, to his heart and his mind and his soul. And, Lord God, that you give him safety as he travels, Lord, because you make the way and you go before us uh, wherever we go. Your word declares that the steps uh, of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. And I pray, Father God, that you just make his way clear and his path, Lord, safe and, and without incident whatsoever. Uh, Father God, minister, Lord, to our church. Help us, Lord, as we uh, look forward to the coming and, Lord, to, to hearing, Lord, the, the people that, that are being chosen, Lord, to, to uh, uh, try out, Lord, or to minister to us that we want to consider as pastor. God, we're asking, Lord, give us peace of mind, a peace, Lord, that we know only comes from you about the one that we place in this pulpit, the one that we vote on, that, Father, it is the individual that you have selected. It is the one that will guide and direct us and will help us to go and to grow and to reach our community and our area Lord God with the gospel of Jesus Christ that your life and your love and your power will flow out of this body of believers and that lives will be changed, souls will be saved, bodies healed, people delivered Lord God from addictions Lord from, from medical diseases Lord that things like depression and, and things like this that have a Act in their bodies and their minds that Lord they'll see the deliverance come because you're God and you are a delivering God you are a, a healing God and Lord we know that you love us and we thank you for it Father guide and direct us Lord as we study your word tonight may it guide and direct us may it strengthen and encourage us Lord God and may all those that hear Lord, even tonight or, Lord, in the future, may it touch their hearts and lives and help them, Lord God, to commit and totally put, to turn their lives over to you for you are a good, good Father. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. In your Bibles this evening, turn with me, if you will, to the book of John, chapter 9. It's a very familiar portion of scripture and uh, hopefully we can get some things out of it maybe we hadn't thought about before uh, and uh, that will help us and challenge and stir and motivate us.
the whole uh, scripture, and I'm not going to read all of it, but uh, we're going to go from verse 1 through verse about 38, I believe. So, But uh, I'm not going to read all of it here, but uh, we're going to skip. But I encourage you to read the whole thing. Go home and read it again and, and see what it does, how God speaks to you about this situation that occurred in the life of Jesus and this individual. If I had a title tonight, it would be called I Believe. I Believe. And I think in this day and hour that we live, it's sometimes there are challenges to our belief. Sometimes we see what's going on and we kind of wonder, okay, uh, Lord, <laughs> how long? You know, I think sometimes we may wonder that. But I want to encourage you tonight, never give up believing. Never give up on, on your faith. John chapter 9, verse 1. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. The Bible doesn't tell us what happened. He might have been born with no eyes. He might have... Uh, they just might, he might have had eyes and they just didn't work. Maybe one of the connections from his eyes to his brain, just something was, did not function as it should have or did get, he wasn't born with it. doesn't matter. Does, the, the thing was, he was blind from birth. It reminds me of another man that I, the Bible tells us about. He was lame from birth and God did a creative miracle in his life. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? The uh, commentator in my Bible makes a statement. They weren't trying to be uh, disrespectful to the man's condition. Uh, they weren't trying to be, uh, you know, mean about it. But the thing about it was there was this whole idea that if you were hurting or if you weren't wealthy or if, you know if things were going wrong in your life there had to be sin you start stop and think about Job remember what they said about him Job what have you done wrong that God has allowed this calamity to come on you what, where have you messed up in your life you've lost your children you've lost your wealth you've lost all of this stuff and all of these things where did you sin what did you do wrong but the Bible tells us in the book of Job, much like this man here, the Bible tells us that Job was a man that was right in the sight of God. Yeah. It's interesting. You go back and read that. that. God makes that very clear that Job's situation had nothing to do with his spiritual relationship with God. God says he was righteous. Yeah. I'm saying if God says you're righteous, Brother Don, you're righteous. <laughs> it doesn't matter what anybody else says. It doesn't matter what his, quote, friend said. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I want to put that in quotation marks. If I had friends, they would be helping me out, not knocking me down. <laughs> you know, not to, I won't mention his wife. Bless her heart. Bless she's something else. At that point, she wasn't no help neither. You know, but the thing about it was God said he was righteous. He lost his possessions. 
He lost a lot of things. He lost his children. Now, church, you, you can say what you want to. That would be something that would be very, very, as difficult as it is to lose parents, as difficult as it would be to lose siblings. Losing your children and having to know that they're not there anymore would be a, it would be a heartache and a half. More than I could, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even try to imagine. But the Bible says that he was righteous. And when it was all said and done, there's the, one of the things about Job I'll mention real quick. Job said, look, I know whom I have believed. And there is coming a day, and I'm going to paraphrase this, there's coming a day when I will see this God I serve, whom I will see for myself, my eyes shall behold him and not another. That was his confession. That was his, he didn't understand his circumstance. He did not understand it, but his faith in God was firm and it was secure. And his end was better. He got twice as much when it was all said and done than when he started out. What does the Bible say here? Look here at verse, verse 3. Jesus answered, Okay, so who is Jesus? He is the Son of God. When Jesus says something, it is what he says it is. It was not that this man sinned or his parents. They wanted to blame him. Well, who messed up? Jesus says, before this ever, and this plays a very important part in this scripture, and I hadn't ever noticed it before till I got to reading this and looking at it and going, oh, how interesting, but we'll get to that part in a minute. I'll make you stay till that part. No, I won't. But Jesus said, this man didn't sin, nor did his parents. How could the young man have sinned? He was born blind. If, if anything, that would be a hindrance from getting in trouble, Brother Don. You know? You, you were, he was born with a, a physical challenge that would have been difficult at best. Yeah. I'm sure he figured out a way. They, people do. People that are blind figure out a way. They, they have ways of, of understanding. Their ears get more, sen more sensitive. Their, their, their sense of smell. All of those, those faculties that they have that are working kind of get fine-tuned a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, but the thing about it was he was still blind. But Jesus said it was not his, that this man did not sin, nor his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now one of the things that, are, that occurs to me in this scripture is the fact that his disciples saw the man, they passed by. The man did not say anything to them that it's recorded here. It's just they saw him and, and they realized maybe they knew him. Maybe they knew that he had been blind all of his life. The Bible doesn't tell us how old he was. Uh, in a little bit it gives us kind of a hint, but uh, maybe to, he was old enough to answer for himself. Let's put it that way. But they looked at him and their, their question, Okay, Jesus, who sinned? So why is he this way? And I'm not so sure in my own heart and life that Jesus, when he says this, it's not that they sinned, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Who would it have been for? It would have been for those disciples. 
to help them to understand. It's not the, uh, the, the situation that they're in that you're going to find people. It's not what maybe something they have done that has caused them to be in their situation because the, the attitude of Jesus' day, the attitude uh, of the religious leaders was, if you're poor, you did something wrong. If you're sick, you did something wrong. There's some sin in your life that you've got to find out. Sad part of the matter is those that were doing that judging probably were as sinful, if not more so, than the rest of them. Why do you think they hated Jesus so much? Because he told them the truth and they didn't like it. The gospel will do that. I've said this before, but I will say it again. The gospel will make you one of three, give you one of three reactions, emotional reactions. You're either going to be sad... Are you going to be mad? Are you going to be glad? It's one of the three. People do not like to hear the truth. They don't want to be told in their life, this is what's going on in your life. Straighten it up. Or go to God and let Him straighten you out. Goes to that deal where Jesus said, why are you trying to pull the telephone pole out of your brother's eye when cause you went the splinter out of your brother's eye when you've got a telephone pole in yours? You know, and that's you know, I mean it's exaggerating, but to me that's the point I get. You're trying to pull out the splinter and you've got a log big as you know, big as Texas. You know? And you're trying to do something when you're blind you can't see to do things. <coughs> but the thing about it was they look at this. Jesus makes a statement. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one work can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. What is he saying? Church, the same is still true today. Even though he is not here in flesh and blood, he is here by his spirit. And he is telling the church today as he was telling them the day is the night is coming when no man can work we got to work while it's daylight they didn't have the 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 uh, technology we've got to sit there and light up uh, workplaces like an like uh, deacon you say like an all-night drugstore you know bright it up bright as day. I mean, you, you can go to the rent store down here on, on Highway 70 there by the interstate. You can rent big old pole, lights on poles and you can string them up and you make it so bright. You, you know, you can see an ant walking across the, the ground. They didn't have that. But the truth of the matter is there is a time coming when no one can work. While it is day, while he was, he says, while I'm here, because why? I'm the light. He says, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. And I've read some and I've heard some, some kind, you know, some hypotheses, if you will. That, that's, it's not law, it's just somebody's idea of this is how this worked, this is how I think it came, this is how, why I think this happened. Some seem to think that it was, that he was a, a a act of creation needed to occur. So since he made man from the dust of the ground, he made the mud, put it where he did. Who knows? The Bible doesn't say. The Bible doesn't tell us why he did it this way. He's God. He's Jesus. He can do it however he wants to. 
He's in charge, not us. It's His church, not ours. It is His life in us, not our life. Because anything I try to do on my own, I'm going to mess it up. I can assure you of that here now. As sure as I stand here, if you leave me alone and let me out, I can make a big mess out of it. I need His wisdom. I need His understanding. I need His guidance. I need His direction every minute of every hour of every day. And that's the only way I'm going to be halfway successful. I've got to hear Him. I've got to. But it's, it's His life. Paul said, it's not I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. It's not me. I don't, you know, I can't do for myself. I can't save myself. I can't do enough good works. I can't be nice enough to people. I can't spend enough money. I have to trust in what he has provided for. The Bible says, Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Notice here, Jesus spit in mud. Now, I didn't, this part I, isn't, I probably won't touch on except for the fact that when you read this, it was on a Sabbath day. This is what the Pharisees, the Pharisees got really upset about this kind of stuff because you had spit on the ground, you had kneaded the mud, that dirt until it became a big mud ball and you stuck it in that guy's eyes. You have broken one of our commandments. You know, I wonder sometimes, this is just me, but I wonder sometimes if Jesus didn't do it just to show them your stupid commandments aren't worth 10 cents. He made the statement on one occasion. He said, by your traditions, you have made the word of God of none effect. You have totally nullified the ability of the word to work because of your stupid traditions. Now, our traditions bad, not in and of themselves, but when they get in the way of the way God wants things done, then they are wrong. Pure and simple. There's nothing wrong with them unless they totally violate what God wants to do. He did it on the Sabbath day. Oh, they had, they had a royal cow over that one, you know. But notice what he did. He made the mud. He put it on the man's eyes. The man didn't ask for it. He didn't ask for sight. He didn't ask Jesus to do anything. The Bible does not tell us that the man ever said a word. He put the mud on there. Told him, said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Hopefully the man had some friends said, hey, I'll, I'll help you find that, that pool. Maybe in, in his years of, of growing up blind, he, he kind of knew how to get there. He could follow the sounds of the crowd and knew probably where it was. Maybe he did. Who knows? But the thing about it is Jesus said, now, go wash that mud off in the pool of Siloam. And the Bible simply says, so he went 
and washed and came back seeing. It doesn't matter what was wrong with his eyes. It does not matter if there needed to be a complete creation of eyeballs and, and, and the, what's in the nerves, all that go back to your brain and get all of those connections made so that he could see and his eyes would work. But the Bible says he went and did what he was told. What's he got to lose? You know, I, now I'm one of those kind of people I like to imagine, and maybe that's a good thing, maybe it's not. But I like to imagine he's, well, I've been blind this long, what's it going to hurt? Do you remember what uh, was Naaman, I believe it was? You know, he'd come to the, uh, the prophet in Israel and said, I've got leprosy, I want you to, to do something and cleanse me. And he said, go down Jordan, that muddy Jordan, go dip in that thing seven times. You remember what his response was? Are you out of your mind? His response was, we got rivers clearer than the Jordan ever will be. In where I'm, why can't I go back there? Because God said, do it that way. He had a good servant. Naaman had a very good servant because he said, look, if he'd have told you to do some great mighty thing, you'd have went and done it, wouldn't you? Well, of course. Well, why don't you just go and do what he says and let's see what happens. What can it hurt? What does the Bible tell us? Naaman went down once, twice, three times, four times, five times, six times. He came up six times. He was still as leprous as he was on try number one. On dunk number one, if you don't mind me saying so. Number seven, he come up. The Bible said he was cleansed. That his, if I'm, if, and somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but it said his skin was like that of a baby. Honey, that, that, you talk about a, if you could market that one, I mean, you could make billions. But you can't market that because that's God's business. And he's got exclusive rights to it, if you don't mind my saying so. But he went and did what he was told. Now I want you to think about something. I don't know, and the Bible doesn't really specify, but the thing about it was he went at the word of somebody he couldn't see. Jesus did not tell him who he was. Maybe he had heard of Jesus before, maybe he hadn't. But Jesus did not tell him who he was. He just made the mud and said, hey, now you go wash, in the pool, wash that mud off in the pool of Siloam. And the Bible says he went and washed and he came back seeing. Blind from birth. Now the thing I know about these kind of miracles, especially something that has been since a person has been born, there is a lot that takes place that has to take place in an instant. I, I just it, It's hard for me to imagine. I, I, I mean, I, I, I know what it's like not to see very well. I can take my glasses off and every one of you become a blur. 
You I can tell your people, but the features, forget it. I, I won't be able to see them. But to be able to see for the first time in your life has got to be, I mean, I, you almost would think he would just cringe because of the light and the bright and all the colors and all the, you know, it's, all, of the, all of the stuff going on at one time, it, you know. But I believe, just like the man that was healed, that had been lame from his mother's womb, the Bible says when Peter reached out and grabbed him, immediately strength came in him. But let me remind you of something else. Not only did strength come in his legs, perfect balance, perfect coordination. The, I'm sorry, this man's been lame since he was born. You don't learn to jump right off of the bat. You don't learn to walk right off of the bat. And yet when he got up, he could walk and leap and praise God and he was having himself a time. God did not only that, those muscles, if you understand what an atrophied muscle looks like, he was the 90-pound weakling, if you don't mind my saying so. And, and maybe I'm going to exaggerate a bit, a little bit, but maybe when he got up and God got through with him, he looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, who knows? I don't know. But the thing about it is there was muscles and sinews and ligaments and joints and stuff that were working that hadn't worked all of his life. This man got up a way he could now see. There's a whole new world now has opened up to him. And I'm sure it was quite staggering. And I imagine in my own mind that it was just a little overwhelming for a minute. But he could see. Perfect, it worked perfectly. And Brother Don, I just have to believe he had 20-20 vision when it was all said and done. No, I was talking to my physical therapist uh, yesterday, and she said, you, I don't know how people cannot study the human body and not know there's a God. She said, the back, your back. Is, is, is there's ribs over here and then there's that spinal cord with all the little vertebrae in there. The only thing holding them together is muscles and cartilage. You stop and think about your feet for a minute. I'm going to, I'm going to die. I'm doing my, as Brother Gary says, I'm going to do a rabbit trail. <laughs> you stop and think about your two feet. Now, I've got some pretty good sized ones, but the thing about it is still, you think about all of the weight and all of the stuff that occurs and your two feet hold you upright and don't collapse underneath you. Yeah. They're holding all of your weight. Yeah. Now, when they don't work, we know it. Yeah. Uh-huh, ouch. But the thing about it is, God created us and when he needs to create something, 
He does it exactly right. And the Bible says, the Pharisees heard about this. Oh, my. I, I can be a little silly sometimes, but I just think about that little, that little deal from Wizard of Oz, lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes. Oh, my. But what do they mean? What does it matter? They have convened court now. The Bible says they have this big deal. And they bring, they see the man and everybody's looking. Are you, wait a minute. No, you look like him, but you can't be him. And he keeps out, I'm the guy. Let's just call him Steve. There's nobody here named Steve right now. We'll just call him Steve. Stephen's not here, so and I'm not picking on him if he's watching. No, I'm Steve. I've been blind all of my life. I'm the same guy that you've probably helped out. I'm the same guy you've given alms to. I'm the same guy that you've probably helped me get somewhere or do, get something or, or do something. I'm the same guy. Yeah. No, you can't be him. You can't be him. The scribes and the Pharisees find out about it. No, boy, do they have a field day. He was brought to the Pharisees. And the Bible, that's where we find out it was a Sabbath day. And of course, oh, that just really messed up their brains. It's interesting. They said, how did you get your sight? It's a good thing he wasn't smart like me. It's like, well, duh. It certainly didn't come from you guys. Sometimes, you know, people can just show themselves to be, what's a nice word for it? Ignorant. There ain't a nice word for it. Here's people that ought to have known. The biggest problem with the Pharisees and the scribes is they had the law. They knew what it said. They studied it inside and out. And they still could not see the truth. Well, he said, what? The guy, there's a guy. He can't put mud on my eyes. Now watch, now see. What's there? He's not from God because if he was from God, he would have not done it on the Sabbath. How many church? I'm going to pick on stuff. How many times do we expect that somebody can only get healed on Sunday? Why did Jesus do it on the Sabbath? Because it needed to be done for one thing. People needed to understand. He so told them more than once. Finally, Jesus told them once. He said, I am Lord of the Sabbath, which meant I can do what I want on the Sabbath. I know what's right. I know what's wrong. I know what I came to do. What does the Bible say? Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. And it doesn't matter if it's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. People can get healed the same seven days of the week. If we'd have a church sometimes, and not just us, but the church as a whole would realize that we are the feet and the hands of God that we can touch people and God will touch them and heal them and deliver them and meet their every spiritual need and even their physical ones. All of this stuff. What's fun about this is the fact they asked the man, what do you, what do you say about this man opening your eyes? He said, he's a prophet. 
Oh, lovely. Because this is the same bunch. They came from the same bunch that killed the prophets. The Jews did not believe. The Jew, when he says the Jews, these so-called religious leaders, bless their hearts. It's too bad they couldn't have been voted out, but, you know, they weren't. They didn't believe he was blind and had received his sight. They call his parents in. Remember something. Jesus told the disciples, neither this man nor his parents have sinned. Well, they call the parents. Okay, what do you got to say about all of this? Well, they were afraid of what was happening because the, the, these Pharisees and Sadducees had this real interesting deal called we're going to cast you out of the church. They would get thrown out of church, permanently banned from their church. Kicked out. Excommunicated. Whatever you want to call it. Like his mom and dad. They, 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 they kind of wimped out of the deal. He's of age. Go ask him. Because they were afraid of getting kicked out of the synagogue. Church, don't misunderstand this. Synagogue was important. That was where, just as we do, as fellowship took place. There was that be able to talk with each other and to, to, to help each other out, to listen to each other's situations, to listen to each other, pray for each other, to care for each other. It would be a bad thing to have lost that, that ability to do that. But they said, look, he's of age, go ask him. I'll, I'll read this in... Uh, because uh, verse 22 says his parents said these things because they feared the Jews for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ he was to be put out of the synagogue therefore his parents said he's of age ask him second time they call him in uh, I forgot to read there's another part in here but go back and read verses 8 through 12 because one of the things, let me go back real quick. The uh, When his neighbors and all had seen him, uh, he knew who he was because he says, the man called Jesus made mud, knowing in my eyes. This is in verse 11. Go and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. Jesus sent him to the pool of Siloam, took off somewhere else. And we have all this nice little fun with the, Pharisees and their religious indignation which was not important because Jesus had already pronounced on that family his blessing it's interesting they called him a second time and they asked him the question again <laughs> it's like they said give glory to God in verse 24 give glory to God we know this man's a sinner he said, whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know, though I was blind, now I see. He answered, I told you already and you wouldn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? I don't know where he got his, maybe he'd been like me. He's just got a smart aleck. He didn't care, you know. Because of their, their blindness, they were so blind that they couldn't see who Jesus really was. They didn't want to see. They were willingly ignorant. 
of who Jesus was. They did not want to recognize him as the Christ, the Messiah, because it would have tore their little playhouse down, and they didn't want that. It's interesting, they talks about him. They were talking about their Moses' disciple and all this kind of stuff. Verse 30, the man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. I like this guy. He just, he tickles me. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin and would you teach us? What did Jesus say? Not him nor his parents had sinned. They had it so wrong. And they cast him out. You're banned. No more coming in here for you. Probably the best thing they ever did for the fella. To be honest with you. Verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. He had seen, not seen Jesus. He, he knew what had happened, but he hadn't seen Jesus. But when he got cast out, isn't it interesting? This one just, Jesus knows right when to show up. Because he can think, what, now what's he going to do? He's not going to, you know, he can't go to that synagogue anymore. They, he's banned. But when Jesus heard he was cast out, Jesus went to the man and asked him the question, do you believe and he said, who is it? And he said, Jesus basically said, it's me. I'm the one who healed you. I'm the one who has done this in your life. And he said, do you believe? And he said, Lord, I believe. When he called him Lord, I think probably was the most respectful term he could have used in regards to Jesus and his deity as good, the Son of God. He said, I believe. Church in our hearts and lives what, what, what's the point of this whole thing? There is a similarity. Faith and belief have a lot in common. But my wife read me a little, little uh, I guess, illustration. The difference between believing and faith. I can read that a parachute can be put on person. They can get on an airplane and jump out of that airplane and given the proper instruction and training, they can safely make it back to the ground with that parachute. 
I can watch an individual put on that parachute and get in that airplane and soar up in the air and jump out of that very good airplane into the air with that parachute and watch him deploy it, watch him float down to the ground. That's believing. Faith is when I put on that parachute. Faith without works is dead. Now, did the man, did he get healed because he did the works first? No, he did the works because Jesus told him to. He went. The thing about it is faith is important. Without faith, how are you going to believe? You've got to have faith in the God who has said what these things. His promises, are they true or are they not? I have to have faith. Hebrews chapter 11, I can't remember what verse it says. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For they that come to him must believe that he exists and that he will reward, he does reward those that diligently seek him. Now church, that's it in a nutshell. There's a lot of people that, that are sitting around in this world, maybe listening to us tonight, that are sitting around, yeah, I believe there's a God. I believe Jesus lived on this earth. I believe he was born of a virgin. I believe that he lived a sinless life. I believe that he died on, on a cross of Calvary. I believe that he rose again, but I'm too bad for him to save me. You've missed out on the faith. Paul said, you believe in God, you do well. The demons also believe and tremble. They know who he is. But it's not going to get them any closer to God. How many people, how many people sitting in churches know, have been told what God's word says about healing, what God's word says about deliverance, what God's word says about our lives? And yet they convince themselves, it won't work for me. Listen, you've got to have faith, but you've got to put that faith into action. And I won't go through all of them, but Abraham left his family and his homeland and went to a place. He did not know where he was going. God said, I'll go to a land. I'm going to show you. Oh, great. I'm packing up everything I know that's familiar and comfortable to me and I'm leaving it behind and you're going to somewhere, somehow show me where I'm supposed to light. Yep, but he did. All you got to do, I, I, this Bible is full of people who had faith because they acted on the faith they believed. David, I just love David, that little boy. I kind of think maybe of Jaden. Honoring as he can be. I like that kid because he's just like I was. He is. I'm, you know, I understand him quite well. He's just, I, I, I understand him. But I can see him going. He's sitting there and took care of his father's sheep. He's killed a lion. He's killed a bear. All of these things God's helped him to do. And that young man goes to the battlefield and you know the story as well as I do. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that dares defy the armies of the God of Israel? What did he say when he met Goliath? 
Goliath was like, you silly little punk. What? I'm just paraphrasing. <laughs> what do you think? I am a dog. You're going to sit in there and whoop me with a rock? Oh, you shouldn't open your big mouth. And David said, you got your sword, you got your spear, you got that guy that carries your big shield in front of you, and you come to me and you're, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of God, the Lord God of hosts, and he will deliver you into my hands, and I'm going to take your head off of your shoulders. And he did. He slung that stone, he used what he had, he used what he knew. And I, 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 I had a, in a kid's camp, they asked me to bring the message for the kids one, one morning, I think it was. And I said, I'm not so sure. David slung that sling and aimed it the best he knew how, but I still, in my own my heart, my own imagination, about the time that rock left that sling, God went, pow! And God made that rock supersonic. Right straight between the eyes, and he fell over. And David, the Bible says David took his sword. David couldn't handle his sword. That sword was as big or bigger than he was. And I heard somebody put it this way. David literally sawed his head off with his own sword. Why? Because he had faith in God. He believed that what God said was true. He acted on what God says was true. Although you have faith as of a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Be thou removed and cast into the sea. Would you bow your heads with me tonight? Father, we thank you for your word. Father, Lord, God, right now at this time, I want to just pray, Lord, not just for those that are here. Help us, Lord, to believe even more than we have to this point in time. We found you to be faithful. We found you to be true. But, Father, I believe there are those that are listening to this. Lord, maybe tonight or maybe sometime in the future they'll come across this. Lord, I want them to know and understand. They may understand, they may believe that Jesus came, that he lived, that he died, that he rose again, but they just don't believe that he'll save them. Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will help them to understand that God has said what he will do and he is faithful to what he has promised. He will do it. And I pray, Father, Lord, that that one that says, I can't be healed because the doctors say this, the doctors say that, your word declares, by your stripes, Jesus, we're healed. Your word declares that you're not willing that any should perish, but that all men should come to repentance. Help them to understand. Help them to know and realize, Father God, that you will save anyone that will come to you. If you save that thief on the cross who didn't have but maybe a few hours, if that, to live, today you will be with me in paradise. If he'll do that for that man who knew he was a sinner, who knew his life was wrong, the things he had done was sinful and against you, but he went to be with Jesus. Help them to realize, Holy Spirit, just speak to their hearts. Jesus wants them, and God wants them. God wants you in his family. That's why he gave us the ability to believe. That's why he gave us the ability to have faith and just say, Jesus, I've made a big mess of my life, but come in and save me and help me get it rearranged. You rearrange me. You change me and know that he will. 
If you need healing, just realize he will heal. It's his desire to. He bore, Jesus bore those stripes for your healing. He will deliver you from addictions. He will deliver you from, from mental problems that have plagued you maybe all of your life. If he healed the man and there's those two million moving parts in the eyes that he healed to have that man see, he will touch you. He knows right where you hurt. He knows right where you need healing. I pray that you will make him Savior and Lord of your life because he wants you in his family. Father, I pray, Lord, for this congregation that's here tonight. I pray for those that are watching our church family that may be watching that, Father God, you will help us to be like this man. Lord, I believe. And I'm going to act on what I believe. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to ask you what you want me to do and believe you. And Lord, I may not see it at that instant. I may not see it at that moment in time. But Father, I, can, I believe you will bring it to pass. I believe you, Lord, for that unsaved loved one. I believe you for that unsaved child, for that unsaved husband or wife, for that unsaved uh, grandchild or, or whatever family member it is or that coworker or that friend. I believe, Lord, you're saving them. Father, I pray, Lord, that as we, as your church, look at this, help us to be reminded in our own hearts and lives, we believe because, Jesus, everything you have done has been an act of your divine grace and mercy in our hearts and in our lives. And we are who we are today by the grace of God if we know Jesus is saving you, Lord, of our lives. Father, help us to take this within us and share it to those that we meet. Those that need to know, Jesus, that you care about them. Need to know you will heal. You will deliver. That when we pray, Lord, time or distance does not matter to you. You're able to do in a moment's notice. When you say it's done, it is done. Thank you for that, Father. Father, I pray for this body that's here tonight. Ask you, Lord God, just to minister Help us, Lord, to realize as we walk from this place, we are going with God because you never leave us, you never forsake us. We are blessed and we have your favor on our hearts and lives because we are your children, the sheep of your pasture. We are walking with God because you are walking with us every day. Nothing that forms against us, no weapon formed against us prospers and everything that we do for the kingdom of God has done, Lord, for your honor and your glory and your praise. In Jesus' name, and God's people said, amen. Guys, thank you for coming. Go with the Lord because he's going with you. Thank you.